Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. The man to my left is Lance Meadow. I am John Schmelk. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you can. It's all presented by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, made to chill. We'll have Jason LaConfora from CBS, NFL Insider, joining us in just about a minute here to discuss the impending or potential CBA agreement and the impact that might have on free agency. Lance, good to see you. How are you? I'm doing all right. Holding up as best as we can so, under these circumstances. So you have not been quarantined in your West no, Side apartment yet? I have not. Oh, I, I don't want to give away where you were living. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, be careful with the words that come out of your mouth here. The West Side is a very and large, figuratively. It's a very large place. Yes, it is, thankfully. Yes, no problem. But obviously, a lot of stuff going on, everybody. Um, NBA canceled their games. Yeah. NCAA canceled all their tournament games. Um, Ian Rappaport tweeted out that the NFL is um, basically telling all their employees to work from home until further notice. Uh, you wonder how long it'll be before other people that work in the city will be told the same thing. Luckily, technology makes that possible, but obviously a lot more important things going on in the world right now than what's going on um, with sports. So just happy to be with us, give you a little bit of a break of the real-life stuff that kind of stinks right now, and we'll try to carry you through with some NFL entertainment. Yeah, and it's also going to be very interesting. We'll have Jason Lockhead for on shortly, John, how this is going to maybe impact the NFL offseason schedule because we're on the brink of the start of free agency here. They've already moved the tags back. How does this impact maybe the CBA vote, which is due on Saturday? There's a lot of unknown, I think, at this point. Well, the good news, Lance, is that um, I guess none of these things that are upcoming – requires the teams and players to get into large groups. Yes, that's fair. So a lot of the stuff can happen on an individual basis. Now, physically, getting on a plane and signing a contract, that could be something that could be impacted by this. Free agency visits, too. Right, exactly. Part of this. So I think all of that has to be taken into consideration. I think we're getting a little bit too ahead of ourselves if we start speculating about the draft because we're a little ways away from that. But I would be surprised at this point if the draft goes on in the normal structure. Yeah, I mean, there's right now about seven weeks or so between now and the draft. Actually, it's probably about six and a half. So, yeah, I mean, whether or not they have fans there remains to be seen. Will they be flying, want to fly players out to a location to do stuff yeah. like that? All these are fair questions. And and here's the thing, Lance, very simply, we just don't know. And there's just a lot of unknowns right now. Um, how long and how severe this outbreak might be, how long quarantines will have to take place, what type of path. Um, this thing's going to go on. So, for example, the Chinese Basketball Association, when they first had the issue, they canceled games starting in late January, and they're trying to restart their season in early April. So that's about two-plus months' worth of cancellation. So do the math. You can figure it out. Now, God willing, the issues here won't be as serious, and the periods can be shorter, but obviously sports is obviously they are what they are, and there's a lot more important things to, to try to manage this crisis as best as possible. Well, this, I think, puts things in perspective, which is what you just hit home on, John. We use this as a distraction, but at the end of the day, I think it's further realization. It's sports entertainment. There's far more pressing needs. I know a lot of us are consumed. We're all passionate about it, but life's going to go on regardless of whether or not we are interrupted briefly within the sports schedule. All right, well, let's get to Jason Lockon 4 from CBS. We'll talk about free agency, the CBA, and everything else going on. Uh, Jason, you got John Schmelk and Lance Meadow here uh, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, in the Giants practice facility. Thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, guys. I may have to run in a pinch here just because I'm, I'm hearing some stuff about the league in regards to coronavirus that may make me um, 
jump on camera with CBS here, but I will uh, I'll hang in there as long as I can. No problem. Sure. If, you ha- if you have to go, just interrupt us. Tell us to shut up and yeah. run, do okay. your thing. Yeah, I'm just watching my other phone if I get confirmation of a few things I may have to. But Not a problem. I- I'll help you guys out as long as I can. <laughs> and maybe we'll, maybe we'll get through the whole thing. I don't know. These are crazy times. Absolutely. We'll see. Well, well let's start. Um, what kind of impact do you think this crisis might have on the league year? Um, the draft, I think, is, is a long way off. They'll have to maybe make adjustments to that. But, you know, players do have to get on planes and sign contracts in person once the free agency period starts. I guess that, to me, would be the biggest impact this could have on the start of the league year. Well, you could still fax the contracts. I think it's the physical. It's the physical testing, mm. and, and maybe there's a way that a third part. Usually you want your team doctors to conduct those, especially when we're talking contracts of this magnitude. But we don't play a football game that matters until September. You know, I mean, there is a lot of time. And if the 17-game season passes, there's a pretty um, – everything I've heard, there's a pretty strong, you know, reality that, that – well, you know things are going to be bumped back by at least a few weeks anyway. So the idea of the draft in May or whatever, I think we should probably be getting used to regardless if, again, assuming we move forward with a 17-game season. So there isn't a need right now to do anything. And there's a lot of team employees and probably many of them in that building right there saying – why am I at work today? Why do we have scouts, you know, timing guys when we could do standardized timing of all of them at pro days? You know, why do we have people flying commercial? Why, when everybody else is um, taking a step towards, um, I don't want to say self-quarantine, but going above and beyond to be safe, do we really need to have these people gathering information that we could probably have one representative do it for, you know what I mean, the entire league or the entire conference? Or, you know, what are we really gaining here? We could FaceTime with all these prospects. Oh, well, our owner wanted to be there and talk to them. Well, thank God for modern technology with Skype and <laughs> yeah. your phone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not the same as being there, but when you weigh the cost benefits, you know, and the risks, maybe that makes more sense. And Monday was going to be crazy as presently constructed just because of the timing of the new franchise tags and the timing of the vote on the CBA and the timing of the non tampering period. Why not take a deep breath? And if these leagues like MLS and, and the NBA are willing to put their games, their regular season, on indefinite hold, it might make sense for the NFL to put you know, free agency on hold. Like, we've got people dealing with a pandemic. Do we want to be announcing, hey, $55 million guaranteed here? You know, like, I, I, you'd think at some point very soon we would hear that the NFL is, is also acting at least somewhat along the lines as these other leagues. Well, it's all about perspective, as you just laid out, Jason. Speaking of the potential 17-game schedule, the tag deadline, right now the first date up next is Saturday when we're assuming that the vote is going to be in to determine whether or not the CBA is going to be approved. From what you've heard, from what you've gathered, what do you think the outlook is that the players will approve the CBA and that the NFL teams will be able to operate under these new rules moving forward? I mean, I thought it was very likely, but I, you know, I don't know how this is playing out. People who haven't voted, I don't, I don't know if the health situation is giving guys pause. You know, it's it's these. This is a, a very um, unusual time to say the least. So the, the the strong consensus I had been getting from players 
and agents was that the rank-and-file players were more inclined not to take it. But do some guys just take a deeper breath now and say, wait a minute, do I really want to be signing a 10-year document right now? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in their shoes, and, and frankly, this morning I've just been scrambling to keep up with the NFL's reaction to this, so I haven't really been taking the temperature of, of you know, players and agents on the CBA this morning. It's more been like, would you let your guy get on a plane right now for another pro day? You know what I mean? Would you let yeah. your guy get on a plane for a top 20 draft visit, would you let your free agent go to somebody's facility on Tuesday if, you know what I mean, if it was still allowed? Uh, so I, I don't know if it impacts it or, or not. Um, we, I, just, I can't remember a three- or four-week period like this in the NFL offseason before, and it was already somewhat unusual. We, 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 now we have a new union president, but we still don't know what the CBA is. It's, it, this, has been, um, this has been a new one for me. Yeah, Jason, let's talk about that 36-hour period from the decision on the CBA, whether it goes forward or not. Then the teams have about 36 hours to tag guys, and then they have about a second after the tag deadline's over to start worrying yeah, about I, negotiating. I, honestly, I wouldn't get bogged down in any of that because I don't think, you know what I mean? I, I think right. it's remote that we're playing. You know what I mean? I, 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 I would be stunned. If that's how this plays out, if we end up operating over those rules, if if teams are pulling their guys out of the sky and agents don't want their guys traveling, and you know some play, like a lot of guys are on vacation right now and they're worried about you know can I get back and am I sick? I, I just don't think that anybody's going to be in the mindset of you know what I mean of, of yeah. negotiating. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think Tom Brady's going to know <laughs> where he's playing by next Tuesday. I, I think we're going to have a pause and a reset here um, for, for some period of time. I, I don't know how long, but I, I, I wouldn't get bogged down in the weeds of how this looks like it'll play out now because I, I would be stunned if it hasn't changed between now and Monday. We're talking with Jason Lockhart-Fora of CBS Sports covering the NFL and the land of the unknown right now, Jason, as you mentioned. But let me ask you this from a big-picture perspective. Regardless of how the timeline plays out, from what we're hearing based on reports, it seems as if a lot of the top-tier players will be tagged, whether it be Chris Jones, Shaq Barrett. Do you see that being a trend that is going to be fulfilled, that maybe there really isn't the first wave of free agents available and we're really going to go to the second-tier guys immediately? Yeah, I, I think that you could take the top 12 or 13 guys and lop them right off. You know what I mean? Especially when we start talking on the defensive side of the ball. Um, pass rushers, particularly edge guys. You know, Chris Jones is going to get tagged. I, I do think interior D-line will still end up being a real position of strength. There will be a lot of quality players who, who are still out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think one or two of these quarterbacks will get it. A bunch of guys on the edge will get it. Uh, you know, at least one tight end will get it. Um, you know, maybe maybe a right tackle. It depends on how t- Tennessee is in a unique situation. Do they get two tags? Do they get one? Do they get a deal done with the quarterback in time, which is what they'd like to do, so they could put the franchise tag on Conklin and then maybe put the transition um, on Derrick Henry. But I, yeah, I don't like. I think when whenever the market actually opens, whenever we get to that point, quarterbacks aside, I don't think it's going to be particularly sexy. You know, I don't. There's going to be a lot of good players who get money, but. You know, I, there'll be a couple wide receivers who probably crush it, but it, it's 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 not an overwhelming list of of running backs, of wide receivers, 
of tight ends and really of offensive linemen. I, th- I think the quarterbacks, is, is, is that drama will hold up the offensive side of the ball. I like the defensive class a little bit more, even with um, the preponderance of edge guys who will probably get tagged. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, I, 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 it's just so weird right now. I, I mean, we're, <laughs> we've been talking about, you know what I mean? We've been talking yeah. about this weekend being the deadline for franchise tags. I just can't imagine, you know what I mean? I can't imagine that remains the case. Well, right now, as we speak, teams can negotiate with their own players, right? And then they can't do it. And so I think how much, and you tell me, you you talk to agents, you talk to general managers, how much has all that been put on pause, Jason, because of the unknown with whether or not the CBA is going to get passed? I'm sorry, I was looking at my phone for a second. I apologize, I just had a text come in. I'm sorry. Not a problem. How much is the unknown with the CBA, whether there's going to be a new one or not, has put all of that negotiating that teams might be having with their own players right now to get a long-term deal on hold? It it has definitely had an incredible chilling effect on the illegal tampering. That's really legal tampering, because unless you go totally overboard with it, you're not going to get caught. Um, And and it it definitely has... um, cooled off some of the some of the in the in-house negotiations as well um but not to the same degree because you 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 have to start talking turkey with your own guys by the time you get to the combine to start to know what your budgets are going to be and who may or may not fit and how much you may need to pursue a position that you otherwise wouldn't have to um but i mean by this time i usually am able to write a column by a week before this time in a normal league year i would have had a column where I'm like, this is what I'm hearing the top safeties are going to get. This is what I'm hearing the top. Usually I can write it in the middle of the combine. (laughs) That was just impossible this year. Like, it just was because no one was talking money because no one really knew the rules. And like, hey, I don't know what my budget's going to be, and I don't know if I have one tag or two. And I don't even – we have projections on what those figures will be. But even that's not ironclad. We haven't gotten them from the management council. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't – not that much to talk about. We like you and you like us, but at what price? I don't know. You might be thinking 10, we might be thinking 7, but we can't even start to bridge that gap yet. Yeah, Jason, I want to follow up on that because I think it's interesting. If the CBA gets passed, I talked to a couple people at the Combine, they think the cap could jump $40 million a year, then another 40 the next. We could be at $300 million in just a few years here. How much do you think agents are going to try to um, put that into their negotiations in terms of wanting a larger percentage of the cap, the knowing it's going to go up. Sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's ways to put. I think we'll start to see um, what has been a trend in, in baseball. Some of these, um, you have escalators based on certain things, and then you also have. Um, I want to say like exit clauses, but I'm 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 not thinking of the proper term. But basically, if certain thresholds aren't met, opt outs. You know what I mean? Then the player can opt out. Right. If by year four, you know, player is still performing at X level and he isn't making X percentage of the cap, then you know what I mean. The salary yep. either automatically jumps to this, or he can opt out. I I, I think that will be the next horizon. Um, and especially because the gambling is the one you really can't project. I mean, the TV contracts are, are, are hard to project, too, but, um, you know, you, you kind of have more of a history with that, and it's, it's kind of more baked into the cake, and it's easier to kind of know how those things have gone in the past. How many gambling sponsorships you sell? Are gambling people fighting all over themselves to get their names on stadium rights as they expire? Are they buying up suites left and right? Are, are, are you know, here in Maryland, they, they, where there's going to be a vote in November to... to legalized sports gambling, and if it happens, there would be six licenses handed out. 
One would be in Dan Snyder's new stadium in the in Maryland, assuming he gets a new stadium built and that it's up to snuff. So if he's getting that, everybody else is going to want that, right? Or I mean, certainly everybody in the division. So what is that worth? And, and that's that's the great unknown. That's a horizon we've never crossed in this country before. In European sports and soccer, they've been there for forever. Um, so yeah, I, I think it will. Either you're going to see a lot of shorter deals, and and you will. But I think you also will see, especially in, in top-of-the-market deals, that there are pegs that link the, link the salary to the cap. And if mm. the teams aren't willing to go there, then the player can opt out. Well, because the economics could very well change over the course of 10 years, to your point. Jason, I know well, you it'll said... Well, it change over 10, but it, yeah. may, it may change over three. Well, yeah, absolutely. But... No doubt about it. I know you said at this point it's hard to assess what the market's going to be like for corners and defensive tackles, but let me just shift gears here to the Giants because this is the team we're covering, and I think that this is an interesting offseason, Jason, because Leonard Williams is a free agent. Maybe he gets the tag. Marcus Golden had a career year. He's also set to hit the market, and remember, the Giants were a team, Jason, as you well know, in 2016. They went on a spending spree, and they made the playoffs one year, but then had to clean up after that. What is your assessment of how you think the Giants are going to tackle this offseason, especially with taking into consideration the players that they have currently on the roster that are going to hit the market? I mean, you know how much Dave Gettleman believes in the, the hog mollies and the big boys up front, and they haven't been um, they haven't been up to snuff in the trenches on either side for a while now. Um, and you want to draft those guys, and they've signed some of those guys in the past, and it hasn't worked out, but I, I don't know that it's going to preclude them from at least trying, um, whether it's the case of keeping a Leonard Williams. And part of that's going to have to be let him go out there and see what the market for him really is. That's a tough player to assess, a lot of beauty in the eye of of the beholder. But will they have the wherewithal financially and cap-wise to bring him back into the fold if, if, you know, know, if he's not going to be a world beater on the open market? You know, I think that's possible. I have a hard time thinking they won't address an offensive lineman, whether it's Joe Thune or somebody else, um, to try to beef things up there a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's difficult to project, but we haven't even had the purge yet. You know what I mean? Like the, I mean, some guys have been released, but normally you come out of the combine and teams are letting guys know, even though they can't officially do it in some cases, depending on the contract, you know, they're, they're gutting the roster. I mean, oh, it looks like we, we lost Jason lost there. That's okay. Yeah. Artemis, you can hang up. I, I got him over here. Um, Jason had to go do CBS anyway. I pretty much I, I hit everything I wanted to do. Yeah, good. I, I think that uh, we hit on uh, all the main topics, um, and it's what we pretty much said off the top of the show, John. I think even Jason echoed those sentiments. You could tell uh, just with what's going across the NFL landscape right now. You know, on the minds of teams, I think the furthest thing is who we using the tag on and who we negotiating. I think right now it's more of okay, how does this virus impact the well-being of individuals associated with teams in the league and I think that's the number one priority and that's where it should be so the good news from the NFL's perspective once again not to compare to other leagues but the NFL as he mentioned they at least have the benefit of wiggle room here yeah the other Mm -hmm. leagues don't John because the other leagues are smack in the middle of seasons approaching the postseason or starting the season in the case of baseball yeah the NFL you know there's not meaningful football until September and the offseason could always be adjusted remember not that you want to repeat this but we did go through the 2011 lockout 
And remember, the 2011 yep. lockout wiped out an entire offseason, and then all of a sudden they picked things up. It was a very short training camp, free agency. So they've dealt with these circumstances. If they had to compact everything into a very small period before the season starts, the benefit is, like I said, time is on the NFL side. But right now, based on what Jason said, pro days can easily be sacrificed. And some of these other off-season activities can easily be sacrificed. I think, to me, the biggest challenge, John, in the long run is going to be if you start wiping out OTAs and you don't have a new CBA and we don't know what the new league rules are going to be like, I think coaches are going to have a very challenging time navigating, well, I'm a new coach. How do I get my team ready in such a short period of time? That probably would be the biggest effect moving forward. But we're very far from approaching that standpoint. And we thank Jason Lacan for for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's a, as you can tell, he's texting people on other phones. Yeah. He's waiting to go on CBS. So it's a busy time. We appreciate him giving us a few minutes here on the show. And um, we appreciate it. So uh, plenty more coming your way today. We'll take your calls. We didn't do any calls yesterday on my show with David Deal. So I want to make sure we get you in early and often. Uh, Lance, anything else you want to hit on before we get to the phone calls? I think we kind of hit everything we needed to, right? Yeah, I don't think there was obviously any emerging NFL news at this point because there are other things to tackle. Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Let's go to, I think, Chris and Paramus was up first. Chris, what's going on, pal? Hey, John. Lance, how are you guys? We're good. You're right. What's on your mind? So, uh, three things. Um, one, I'm curious as to why Antoine Bethay is still on the roster. Uh, given the contract that he has, if we were to cut him, there wouldn't be a lot of dead money against that contract. So, uh, that was the first thing. Uh, second thing is, could you guys kind of explain, like, because um, I know there's been a few cuts, and then what the salary cap space was. Um, I'm curious as to what the total number is going to be after all cuts um, are, are, are you know done and um, sort of where we end up prior to the free agency period. Um, because I know there's a certain amount of money that Dave Gittleman wanted to keep for mid-season extensions. Um, uh, he needed to keep some money uh, set aside for, you know, signing the rookies. Yeah. Um, so, so that was – I'm just curious as to how that all breaks out. Yeah, Chris, look, well, first of all, I think it's hard for us to pinpoint an actual number here because we don't know who's going to be cut. You know, sometimes if you work contracts and it's not announced. So I think trying to pinpoint that exact number isn't that important because you can structure contracts to make the first-year cap hit not so bad and fit everybody under. The Giants will have enough money to do whatever they need to do, and they can structure contracts appropriately. So I wouldn't get all wrapped up with the exact number and doing your math and fitting guys under because you can structure contracts in a way where you can make it work for one year. The point is that when you sign these contracts, Chris, you want to make sure that over a multiple-year period— you're putting your team in a good position cap-wise where you're not going to run into the same issues you did with the 2016 contract, to Lance's previous point, and you set you set yourself up for the future. So I think that's the main concern here. Don't necessarily be too concerned with the exact amount of money they have under the cap this year. And remember, under the current rules, we don't know if the CBA is going to change that, you too. carry over cap space. So, you know, yeah. you're not under the obligation, Chris, keep in mind that you got to spend everything right now. So that's further a point that John was laying out. You know, if we told you, hey, the Giants had $150 million, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical number. Who's to say yep. that the Giants are going to spend $120 million of that money? You know, they may say we're only going to spend 110 and we have this budgeted for this extension. So even if you knew the number, you're still operating on the unknown. So I wouldn't get too caught up on that. Your first question about Antoine Bethea, it goes back to Jason LaCanfora's point. He even said, we have not seen a lot of guys released because teams don't know the bullet points to operate under the new CBA. So I think... 
the reason why we haven't seen nearly as much activity is I think teams are waiting to assess their situation. They're also maybe waiting to address positions that they think they're going to hit on in free agency or the draft, and they don't want to let go of guys if they don't know if they're going to be able to hit home on those free agents. So once again, I wouldn't read much into anything at this point simply because I think the first step is, will the CBA be ratified? If the CBA is ratified, then teams know, okay, we know what rules we're going to operate under. Right now, they're operating under the old rules, and if the CBA doesn't get ratified, that's going to carry over because this is currently the final year of the CBA. Got it, got it. Okay. And then I guess my, my last point is, like, do guys like um, that, that were on the roster previously, and we don't know what the coaching staff thinks of these guys, but, like, Garrett Dickerson, Sean Chandler, you know, with, with Rhett Ellison re- retiring, maybe Garrett Dickerson falls into an opportunity and then with a potential cut of Antoine Bethea, does a guy like a Sean Chandler get more playing time? And, and thanks again for, for uh, clarifying all that for me, and, and have a great day, guys. Hey, you, you too, too Chris, Chris. No problem. Well, I think it depends who gets drafted, too. I mean, there's so much left here with free agency and the draft to think, you know, how much Sean Chandler is going to play. Well, is Sean Chandler on the roster? Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know that. It's a brand-new coaching staff. Do they think? What do they think about Sean Chandler? I don't know. Well, what do they think about Garrett Dickerson? Right. Another name that he threw out, too. I, I wouldn't guarantee anything. I think if you're looking at the tight end position, because Red Ellison did retire earlier this week, John, I think that Caden Smith would be a guy that I think has an opportunity, again, depending on what the new coaching staff thinks of him. I'm only giving you my personal opinion. What I saw out of Caden Smith in the final stretch of the season, I thought he proved he could block and he could receive. I think he warranted an opportunity to prove himself in the eyes of the new coaching staff. So I'll give you that as a name that I think may have an opportunity. But, you know, any of these other fringe guys or guys that were battling for the last 10 roster spots, we don't know what the roster is going to shape up to be. We don't know who's being brought into free agency. And here's the other thing. The roster may go from 53 to 55 if the new CBA is proved. The practice squad could be, yeah. is going to be, you know, could put theoretically be improved and Correct. expanded. So now all of a sudden a guy like that has an opportunity to make the roster, but maybe it stands at 53. Yeah, and they Once said again, they, they also might make rules where you don't have to actually submit a guy to waivers to bring him up on the practice yeah. squad. I agree. It like almost creates league. like a mini minor league system yeah. for you, the same way the G League does with the NBA. Let's yeah. go to Dan in Delaware. He's up next. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. How are you? What's up? You're right. Um, quick question. So with free agency and then the draft coming up, um, there's been a lot of uh, comments that Joe Judge has made where it seems like, you know, when Gettleman was at the Combine and things like that, where they, they're really being in sync um, in terms of things that I won't say contradict what Gettleman has said in the past, but like the comments about not having older veteran players come in to like mentor the younger players. That's the coach's job. And then, you know, uh, judge doesn't do the mentioning of the individual players because that's his kind of like his personal thing. And then Gettleman seems like he's following suit. So I guess what I'm asking is, in terms of the dominant philosophy, given that Judge is a young first-time head coach, at least from a fan or outsider perspective, it feels like Judge's philosophy of how things should be run is is the dominating philosophy or it's winning out and then Gettleman is on board with him versus vice versa where the GM would make the choices and then the coach would kind of like the hierarchy I guess is what I'm saying so I'm asking this am I thinking about this right or or not because it seems like Gettleman is changing a lot of things that he's been known for in the past to maybe 
I don't know the word for it, but to like adopt to the new coach's philosophy, which I don't think is a bad thing, honestly. I right. think it's a good thing, but I'm wondering if I'm looking at it the right way or if it's just they're just completely in sync and on the same page. And it's, you know what I mean? No, like, no, I hear you. Look, and, and, and I understand what you're saying in terms of the players to mentor. That was something that Gettleman has said in the past, and Joe Judge said something different. And then Dave, when he got asked about it, he's like, yeah, well, look, here's the bottom line. Dave very much so works in concert with his head coach. He is not going to go out there and bring in a player that Joe Judge doesn't want. Okay? That's just not what's going to happen because – What's the point? You want to bring in players that your coach wants. So, yeah, Joe Judge is going to have an impact here on the type of players the Giants bring in free agency. The player has to match the scheme that Jason Garrett's putting in on offense or match the scheme that Patrick Graham's putting in on defense. So the coaches are going to have a big impact on that. Now, uh, the general manager guides the process. Dave's going to influence it too, but he's going to rely heavily on this coaching staff to see what they think they need, the type of players they want, the type of people that they want, and that's going to impact a lot of how the Giants operate in free agency because it is a, to, to quote them, a collaborative process. It didn't feel, I guess it didn't feel as collaborative with Shermer, and again, this is from a fan perspective that it just didn't, it, it feels like the judge's way of doing things seems to be more, I think Shermer wasn't as vocal, but I don't know. Yeah, Dan, I I think it really goes back to everybody treats the press conference differently. And first of all, you know, you have a much smaller sample size to operate based on Joe Judge speaking to the media versus Shermer. And you you also, by the way, don't know what Dave thought before Shermer came along because that was his only head coach here. Well, and and here's the other thing. We're also not... I guess my ultimate question is, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Lance, is that I wonder how it's going to influence the draft and free agency and if it's going to be more influenced by what Judge is looking for. Well, I, I think, yeah, that past. that I think is reading too much into it. I, I don't think anything is drastically going to change. I think that, like anything else, everybody's going to give their opinion, and Dave Gettleman will operate based on what he sees fit, based on the opinions of everybody. And, you know, here's the other thing, John. When Gettleman and Joe Judge sat down before Joe Judge was hired, even in the early days of him taking over as the head coach, you know, that may have been a big part of the conversation, I'm sure. The philosophy of how Dave Gettleman builds a team and then Gettleman listening to what Joe Judge sees. And, you know, I'm sure they had a lot of heart-to-heart conversations. And I would agree with Dan's takeaway. I do think after listening to both of them speak at the Combine, it was very much in sync. Everything that Judge said... Gettleman reflected, and then vice versa. It was basically an echo chamber. It was the same thing with Daniel Jones and saying, you know, we're not naming anybody a starter right now. We're going to keep the competition open. I just think it was the fact that they both sat down and are on the same page. But as far as decision-making, I wouldn't read too much into that, that that means that now this individual is point A and this guy's point B. That, I think, is way too much to take away from one press conference. Yeah, look, it is a collaborative deal. They're going to work together on it. And this is how I look at it, guys, all right? They're not going to see every player exactly the same way. But I doubt very much that if there's a player that the front office hates but Joe Judge likes, they're going to bring him in. I doubt very much if there's a player the front office loves but Joe Judge hates, they're going to bring him in. You know what I mean? There has to be some level of of, um, common evaluation between the two groups in order to, you know, finalize on these players, especially guys that you might end up going out and spending a big chunk of your salary cap space on. So uh, I think that's how the process works, and uh, we'll see whenever that does come about, <laughs> based on what Jason Lockon Flores said, um, how the Giants go about their business in free agency um, with what's going on here in the world. 201-939-4513. I believe that Scott in New Mexico was up next, Artemis, I think. Let's go to Scott. What's up, Scotty? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Doing great. Um uh, 
I guess we're on uncharted territory with the situation that exists. I don't know if either of you heard that one of uh, Rudy Gobert's teammates just came down with yep. the virus. Yeah, Donovan well. Mitchell. And by the way, they've played six teams in the past 13 days or so. Right. So I bet you all those teams are now going to have to be in quarantine. So Right. Yeah. The, question, the question, the reason I'm bringing it up, um, do the Giants need to establish a policy? Because I assume uh, Giant athletes work out together. Uh, I don't know if there's any... You know that anything that Joe Judge can do to control the situation, but to minimize risks. I was wondering if the Giants have to get ahead of the league and say, "Hey, we're going to establish a policy." Well, now. I don't think the Giants can create a policy that forces their players when they're not in the facility yeah. how they operate. So I think okay. they can obviously make recommendations and and tell them this is what you think you should do, but the Giants can't control what players do in their everyday lives. You know what I mean? Yeah, Scott. There's right. no team activities right now. I mean, everybody's gone their separate ways. We're in the heart of the off season, so you know you can't dictate just like under normal conditions when we haven't dealt with this virus they advise maybe players but they don't tell them where they can work out and a specific schedule recommendations could be made but you can't dictate the tone of an individual's life as john mentioned. i was just wondering yeah. i was just wondering because players may work out together in the off season in other words uh in of course not necessarily in facilities and do they have to issue edicts that say maybe that's not a good idea? Well, I'm that goes sure well, that and that goes back to your recommendation point, which could very well happen. But that's the same thing of Scott. If I went to a local gym, I'm going to be working out in the vicinity sure. of other people too. So, I mean, players are no different. They can give a recommendation: hey, stay away from those public areas. But it's all in the be and it's all in the eye of the beholder, which is the player. And I could tell you for sure, Scott, that they've been very communicative just with their regular everyday employees about what's going on with this and how to best, um, you know, use sanitary measures and that sort of stuff to, to try to keep yourself safe. So I got to imagine that same information is yeah. being sent to the players. Absolutely. Right. Well, my last question um, has to do with the sign of Elijah Penny. Uh, I was just curious. He didn't perform very well as a running back last year. But I assume he has worth as a uh, special teamer and a blocker. But to go to your point, John, that you had mentioned uh, a while back, the Giants were looking for a r- another running back perhaps in the draft or in free agency that could be that pound type of guy that can get the two or three yards by the goal line. I was just curious if this changes the dynamic or will they still seek a, a running back potentially somewhere, either draft or uh, you know in free agency? Uh, and they still have Wayne Goldman on the line. So I was just curious what you thought of the of the penny sign. And I'll take your questions off the air, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. What do you think, Lance? Well, what I take away from it is you've got a head coach in Joe Judge who came from a team that utilized the fullback in James Devlin, and then you have an offensive coordinator right now who also comes from an offense that relied on a fullback in Alawale. So I don't think it's necessarily a stunning development that you've got the mindset, hey, we have a roster and we have an offense right now where we're going to make use of the fullback. And Eli Penny is a fullback slash running back, and I'm sure they evaluated his versatility. And once again, productivity or the lack thereof in a different regime or under a different coach has really no bearing on how they may see what the player can do in their scheme because Garrett's not running Shermer's system. Garrett's running his own system. So he may look at Penny's skill set and say, hey, we're going to utilize him this way and we think he could be effective. So I, I don't get caught up, John, in, well, last year Penny got only two carries and didn't do anything with it, so why are they bringing him back? Remember, it's a new coaching staff, new scheme. No question about it. 201-939-4513. Jason in New Haven's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Jason. 
Hey, what's up, fellas? What's going on? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, thanks for taking my call. I just had two things I wanted to bring up. Um, I know yesterday, uh, David Deal was on the uh, uh, was on the show talking about some free agents, especially that like offensive line and stuff. And I kind of wanted to um, just kind of talk about that if I could. Yeah, go ahead. So it's it's tricky because I think everybody the Giants land wants our offensive line to be a strength of the team. But I keep going back to the the mid two thousand teams, especially two thousand seven. I think most people have wanted either Conklin or a first-round tackle. But the line that helped us get to that Super Bowl in 2007, and I know things change and things in the, C, you know, things in the CBA in terms of like uh, practice uh, for the offensive line hitting, stuff like that has diminished since then. But if we go down the list, like David Deal, he was a fifth-round pick. Tristan, he was a second-round pick. Um, Kareem McKenzie. He did get the big contract from us, but he was like a—I think he was like a third-round pick when the Jets drafted him. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah but they—but the Giants did spend premium amount of cap yeah. space to bring him right, in, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I—I I, I understand that. Yeah, they—they they did at the time give him a big amount of money, but he was a third-round pick. Uh, Rich Seibert was a undrafted free agent, and Sean O'Hara, I think, was an undrafted free. Undrafted, agent. and then he signed mm-hmm. as a free agent with the Giants. Right, yeah. right. So I'm just saying, you know. Not a first-rounder in that bunch. I think most thing about offensive line is less about the physical gifts and more about working together, being smart uh, mentally, and being well-coached and prepared, which I think Colombo will help with. Um, so I think everybody's getting to this Conklin and first-round offensive tackle. If a first-round offensive tackle happens to be the best player available at four, if we stay at four, I have no problem with that. I doubt it if Simmons or Kuda still on the board. Um, so what I'm saying is, I think with Colombo, um, um, you know, working with our offensive line, saying he was a great, not great offensive lineman, but he was a pretty good offensive lineman when he played. I think it would help. What do you guys think about, you know, that? Not in terms of just always having to put a $20 million player on the line, a first-round pick on the line. You should always replenish, but I think offensive line work is more in terms of how you guys work together and being coached up. I mean, even Dallas. Well, I think that goes to say for just about any position in the NFL. I, I think you always want guys to be coached up. You know, you look at the Giants, they also had some undrafted players at other positions like a Victor Cruz, and, and look at what became of him. So, you know, that to me is a reflection of his hard work as well as the coach at that position. I, I think that holds true for everybody. I don't know if that necessarily holds true for offensive linemen more so than everybody else. And, you know, to your point, I, I don't disagree with you, Jason, but I think there's many ways to skin a cat. So you utilized how the Giants put their offensive line together. In fairness, though, Mark Colombo's coming from a team that invested three first-round picks in the offensive line, and Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and Zach Martin. And all those guys are Pro Bowl players, and they all have produced at a very high level during the course of their careers. So I don't really think there's a rule that says, well, you know, you could just grab a fifth-rounder, and it's automatically going to work out because you got a former offensive lineman on the staff. He's going to be able to coach them up. I think it goes back to valued assessment. If they believe that the first-round pick can come in, be an impactful player, you take the guy. And you don't hesitate in saying, eh, but, you know, I don't know if we want to waste a first-round pick on an offensive line. And, James, I want to add this, too. I think, and I think you kind of referenced this a little bit. Back then, now 15 years ago, more or less, I think it was a lot easier to find offensive linemen than it is now. To your point, uh, with the development, you don't have as much time to develop these guys in-house, and it's become such a premium position 
and difficult to find because of the way college football is now. You just don't have guys doing stuff in college that you do in the NFL. And I haven't a chance to talk about this with Deal yesterday because we ran out of time at the end of the show. But I'm sitting there, and I, for, I sat for two days, and I watched around seven offensive linemen. I have to go through a full game, and maybe there's six or seven or eight or ten <laughs> snaps where the guy's actually doing a standard pass protection drop back where it's not some kind of read option, play action, quick screen pass. You just don't see these guys doing in college what they're going to have to do in the National Football League. So I think it's a lot more difficult to find guys on the margins at that position than it was back when the Giants did it in the mid-2000s. Right. And I get that. You know, like I said, the best available player at four, then pick them. But Let's let's go to even Dallas. You know, arguably they still have the best off. Arguably, quote unquote, they say they have the best offensive line. But even with all of that all pro, I mean, there's other factors, but they haven't really pushed the bar for Dallas to get into the Super Bowl. And I know there's other factors, defense, quarterback. Yeah, there's tons of other factors. I, I, I mean, I yeah, I, I think. I, I don't think that's a fair takeaway, though, that, you know, well, you, you got three first-round picks on the offensive line and you have no hardware to show for it. They did win two division titles, in fairness. Right. So, yeah, three, actually, in the span of five years. Right, and, and I get that. And like I said, I know there's different ways to a cat. If you look at Kansas City, the last the, the Super Bowl run they had, three of their offensive linemen were picked in the sixth round and below. One of them was undrafted. So what I'm saying is there are different ways to skin a cat. Yeah, well, I, and I, I agree with you. That was the point I made earlier. No doubt about right, it. I think, yeah. most, I think most fans think we have to get constant. And we have to pick offense tackle at four. And we have to... You know, and we have to find a big-time center. Well, James, I will say this. You do have to add an offensive tackle because right now you don't have anybody in their contract that could start a right tackle right. unless you yeah, want to give the job to Nick Gates. So yeah. you do have to add somebody to that spot. Oh, yeah, because Remmers is a free agent. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, and then the other side of the ball, um, you know, like I said, my free agent crush, uh, quote-unquote, in God's way is being tagged, so I'm not really going to bring him up. But there are some other pass rushers that, I think maybe that can help us that were maybe with first round picks that maybe didn't work out for the previous team. Even if we go back to our 07 squad, one of the most unsung players in that run was Kavika Mitchell. Um, yeah, you're right. He really do much in Kansas City. He comes to us and, and plays uh, really well. And James, one other one, by the way, James Butler played an excellent Super Bowl against the Patriots. You think anybody talked about James Butler coming to the Giants that year? Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I forgot about him too. So. When I think about this, so I think about some players, even Antonio Pierce, when he left Washington, most people didn't really, I mean, probably in the division, but most standard fans didn't really know who Antonio no, Pierce was. Absolutely. Um, so I'm thinking about players like maybe Shaq Lawson, who was the first-round pick from Buffalo. Yep. Kind of had a lot of hype when he left Clemson. Hasn't really done too much in Buffalo. Um, a lot of injuries with him up there, yeah. Yeah, I keep bringing up Vic Beasley. I think he had one good year where he had like 15 sacks. Yeah. And then he kind of fell off the map. So I'm thinking about those guys in terms of, you know, um, maybe a change of scenery. Maybe, hey, the coaching staff is saying, hey, maybe Clowney's too much. And Gakwe, we're not going to trade for him and pay him. So maybe these are some of the players that we need to look at. And then I brought up a few days ago, and I'll get off the line, um, the tackle from the Eagles, who was the sub, uh, Vatai. Yeah, Big V. Um, Go Big ahead, v. Lance. Do the name. You got it. Hollow Palati, I think. Or something to that nature. Yeah. Vitae. Vitae, yeah. I've seen a few I've seen a few Eagles games and I'm not saying he's, you know, Joe Thomas or nothing like that, but he has played well and I think these are some of the players that hey, maybe we don't want to get a Conklin at seventeen million or a clowny at twenty million. 
if if we do, I'll be happy, of course. But right. Yeah. Hey, if we want to get some players, hey, they played well. Maybe they didn't get a shot like Big V with the Eagles because you had Lane and Peters, or maybe Beasley and, and, and Lawson. Hey, things didn't work out for whatever the reason in those prospective teams. But hey, let's see if we can re- re- resurrect their uh, their careers here. So I just wanted to get you cool. guys to talk about those three again: Big V, Beasley, and Lawson, and. Uh, I'll take it off the air. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I, I like of that group. I think I like Lawson the most because when he's played, he's been more consistently effective than Beasley, in my opinion. But he's had some injury problems. So that's something that Dave Gettleman mentioned to us in our one-on-one with him at the Combine. That I asked, I asked Dave, you know, Dave, you go back and, you know, now with the market exploding, how do you find a guy like Kareem McKenzie that you can sign to a long-term big money deal and he actually fulfills the length of the contract? And one of the things he mentioned in that answer is that you got to take injury history into consideration where, you know, the best, and he didn't say this, I'm saying this, the, the best predictor of future injuries is past injuries, right? So do you think that the guy you bring in is going to be able to stay healthy throughout the contract? Because that's the best chance of you getting value for that deal if the guy's able to stay healthy. And it's not a guarantee, despite you doing your homework. No, as, there, there's never a guarantee with that. Yeah. So, you know, you do all your homework, you do your due diligence, but then you don't know how things are going to play out. I don't mind taking chances on guys who, you know, maybe didn't necessarily fulfill the expectations of their rookie contract, and now we're looking for that statement season. Vic Beasley, to me, fits that profile, and so does Lawson. Yeah, worked out with Marcus Golden last year. Yeah. And he, like, he was different. He was coming off an injury. Correct. And but it's it a one-year deal. motivation Correct. to right. prove that he could still play at a high level and maybe quiet the skeptic. Just FYI, uh, Shaq lost in 15 games last year, 14 in 2018, 11 in 2017, and 10 in 2016. So he's missed about 5, 6, 11, about, say, 6, 16, 15 games over four years. So nothing too bad. And the productivity has also fluctuated. Yes, yeah, six and a half sacks, of... four sacks, four sacks, and two sacks. Now, you also need to take into consideration 2016 was a different coaching staff than 17 when Sean McDermott took over and Leslie Frazier is his defensive coordinator. So his rookie year, he comes in, he learns one defense. Now 17, they make a coaching change. got to learn a new defense. And that does impact sometimes the development of a young player. Now, we're now four years removed from that. So, you know, how much are you going to hold on to that? I'm, I'm not saying that that's a legitimate excuse, but all things that need to at least be part of the evaluation. Lawson and Beasley, I think, fit under the profile. If we now move him into our scheme, can he be productive? Will he be highly motivated if we give him a short-term deal because he's looking to have that one-year prove-it deal so that he could cash in after? Both of those are strong candidates. And as far as the offensive line goes, Big V was that swing tackle for the Eagles. When a guy went down, they would move him in. So, you know, he's had exposure at a variety of different spots. And you have to now ask your question, can he be in every down starter? And... I don't think there's anything wrong with going after guys like that, but I think you want to bring him in and you'd want him to be a starter. I don't think you'd want him to be that swing guy because I think there's currently guys on the roster like a Nick Gates who can easily serve as the swing guy. Last year, Shaq Lawson played the third most snaps among edge rushers for Buffalo. Murphy was Trent Murphy was at 720, Jerry Hughes at 707, Shaq Lawson at 520. Um, let me take a look at 2018 here, just to give you guys an idea of snap counts, because yeah. that because that can vary um, in terms of playing time. Uh, the year before, same deal. He was number three, 668 for Jerry Hughes, 
Levi Wallace for, I'm sorry, Trent Murphy 441, and then Shaq Lawson at 440. So he was tied for about the third most, or tied for the second most, pardon me, snap counts for Bill's edge defenders that year. The year prior to that, I believe that's when he missed a few games because of injuries. He had 436 snaps, um, four edges. Ryan Davis, Eddie Yarborough, Jerry Hughes, and Lorenzo Alexander all had more than he did. So he's been around... 400 to 500 snaps, which if you do the math really quickly, that comes out to about 30 to 35 snaps per 16 games. If you equate it to a 16-game season, which, as I mentioned, he didn't have. But that's about what it comes out to. Well, I remember, you got a new defensive scheme. How could Patrick Graham utilize these players? You know, I mean, that to me is also a big part of the question. Because sometimes, see, this is why I don't read overwhelmingly into numbers what a guy was asked to do in one defense could be very different, John, than yeah, what a player sure. is now asked to do in a different defense. And maybe you now put that player in a position to really have a coming out party. So, you know, that to me is also part of the evaluation process. His skill set, how does he apply to what Patrick Graham is going to ask him to do in this defense? Let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. He's up next. Hey, Chuckles. Hey, Char- guys. What's up? How are you doing? Well, good. Hey, no, it could uh, be better. But well, now. <laughs> now, exactly. Yeah. Take a lot of vitamin D. Oh, here we go. Vitamin A. It's good for uh, respiratory. Just, just you know, dose up on that. And of, and of course, and of course, vitamin C is good for your immune system as well. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And Annika as go. well. You should just cover your body with Annika. That's all you should do. <laughs> hey, John, you missed a couple of free agents with you and David. I was hoping to get through, but you guys didn't even get to take any calls. But there's Cody Glenn is out there. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are uh, gonna they're they're gonna split with him. So, what do you think of him as a possible free agent? He's a veteran. Uh, you, you're talking about Cordy Glenn, the offensive tackle. Yeah, he was traded yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was recently traded from the Bills, actually, a team mm-hmm. we were just talking about, yep. to the yeah. to the Bengals. He's had a lot of injury issues over his career. When he's healthy, he's good. I mean, if you want to take a chance on him on a Mike Remmers-type contract, I get it. But he's not a guy that I think you go out there and and pay a lot of money to based on his age and his injury history. Okay, and there's another guy that I I, uh, tweeted you about, that Joseph from the Texans, uh, cornerback, he is... He's a little older, though. Isn't Jonathan Joseph like 35 years old at this point? Yeah, he's a veteran guy. I don't know if he's that old. Let me look it up. I mean, he's definitely a veteran. He's absolutely an established veteran. Jonathan well, Joseph, thirty-five. Yeah, thirty-five. Yeah, thirty-five. Jonathan years old. Joseph is thirty-five years old, Charlie. So I'd be. I think Reggie Roby, maybe a different guy that's been on the Texans yeah. recently, might be somebody you look at. He's a little bit younger and had a decent year last year. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Pathay needs a guy his age, you know. And there, and we got two of them. <laughs> You're a funny guy, Charlie. Hysterical. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> I, hey. The thing is, I don't, you know, with. I just wish this would get over with. I'm so glad it's next week, so we know what we're doing. We know what agents well, we're going free agents. Charlie, going just if you listen to our interview with Lock on Four, and by the way, I should point out. I'm sorry for interrupting you. I'll let you finish. Tom Palacero yeah. about 15 minutes ago. Um, and he works for the NFL, so I feel confident I can tweet this. Uh, I can re- relay this tweet. Um, and this is just his reporting, and I'm not confirming it. Uh, the NFL says it is no plans to move the start of the league year. Still on for next Wednesday, March 18th. And that was as of 
four. So as of right now, it looks like they're moving on next week. Now, there's a lot of other reports out there about teams pulling coaches and scouts off the road, pro days being canceled, visits to teams from prospects being canceled. Will that impact the draft? Those are all things that we're going to have to figure out moving forward. In my opinion, you can survive this. You can still have the draft and not have to worry and not do pro days and visits. You can. It's not ideal, obviously, but I think you can do it. Well, there's enough information out there that I think they can more Correct. than evaluate guys. And, and you can yeah. still, you know, get eight hours for a teleconference and, and, and do a yeah. teleconference with a guy. It's not the same. You can't do personal workouts. I get it. But that's not something that's insurmountable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you got the college film. You have the combine happened already. The combine. You have tons of intel at your disposal. And right. as far as the draft also... Yeah, they could have the commissioner in a TV studio, and he could just announce the picks. We don't need to put the dog and pony show we, on. We can have him right here. He yeah, can just come I mean, right across the river. Well. You no, can do but what right I'm saying set. is you can easily do the draft that way. Yes, you, you can. Because the teams are at their facilities. They call in the picks, and they can communicate with the league, and, and Commissioner Goodell could go to the podium, announce it, and keep things moving. I think, to me, that would be the most practical thing that they can implement, assuming we get to that point. Hey, everybody does their fantasy baseball drafts online, right? What's the difference? There you go, exactly. No, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. No, but, There's a big difference. But. Well, I mean, but yeah, but it can be done, though. It's, yeah, no, it's it can feasible. Be, right? It's not, you know, we're not moving mountains here. Right. <laughs> Charlie, finish up. Oh, we lost Charlie. That's, That's not a bad thing at all. I think we got most of his wisdom in anyway. Well, it's um, always nice when Charlie weighs in on free agents that are 45 years old. All right, we got two yes. more. He, well, he loves the older free he agents. He does, indeed, yeah. At least he picked somebody that wasn't <laughs> hasn't been retired for three years. Well, that's true. Maybe we're making progress. Yeah, we are making progress. Jack and Cheryl, New York, will join us next. Jack, what's going on? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. And How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you for sure. calling in, Jack. What's up? Well, I'm hoping you guys can maybe take me off the ledge just a tad. Okay. Uh, heard more than I can I'd push like you, too. <laughs> <laughs> that good old hog Molly Gettleman really loves that Derek Brown, even if Leonard, Winter, uh, Leonard Williams is signed. Now, obviously, he's a great player, but if they stay at four, the minimum available, like should be a Simmons or a Cuda and their highest left tackle on the board. I'm just wondering if, and I don't know how their grading system works, but uh, say they start at 10, and Brown's a 9-5, Simmons and Okuda are a 9-3, and their best left tackle is a 9-1. Must they force the BPA, or do you think that uh, the need might become very important in this scenario, too? That's a good question. Um, one, I have no idea what Dave Gettleman thinks about these players or what the Giants are going to do. Let me state that out right at the moment. I saw the article and from the one particular reporter um, that has talked about that over the past few weeks. Look, I will never say never after last year because I said it and I look like an idiot. So <laughs> this is how I look at it. Well, you do that quite often. Well, I, go ahead. Yes. I, I'm quite good at that. So I'm usually pretty cautious about things like that. But anyway, so I think the Giants will certainly take a look at need when they're making their pick, but they will not let it overwhelm a large space in their grading system. Based on what Dave Gettleman has said publicly and Chris Pettit has said in some of our uh, Giants Life Blueprint series that Lance has the VO on, um, there's a plug for you. Oh, um, wow. Nope, happy awesome. to help. Thank yep. you. I so, greatly appreciate that. <laughs> All right, this show is going to new heights. Go so, ahead, yes. The, to me, if the guys are tied or close to being tied, then maybe need might creep into the mix a little bit. But if somebody is the highest-ranked player, that's probably who they're going to take. Now, they talked about it with Daniel Jones last year. Quarterback's a different story. Quarterback is a quarterback. That's the most important position on the field. So, no, Jack, I don't know exactly how they would handle that. And, again, I don't know anything what they're thinking or what they're going to do. But 
given where the team is, and again, to your point, you have to wait to see what happens with Leonard Williams in free agency. If they're picking between an offensive tackle and a defensive tackle that have very similar grades and are both really good, it would, it would surprise me if they took the defensive tackle. Well, let's put it this way. You can make the argument, regardless of what they do in free agency, they can use an impactful defensive player, whether it's a corner, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's a defensive lineman, John. I don't think that's a stretch. I think right now it's too early to tell because we don't know what they're going to do in free agency. And with Derek Brown, when you look at his numbers in college, his sacks don't jump off the page, but he certainly has the potential to play inside and outside. So it goes back to... Well, he's not an end. But I, I think there's potential. I think no, there's he's not least, an end. He's I, not an end. I, I, think you can, I think you can mix him up, though. I do. For, I, I disagree. All right, that's fine. But I, I do, I'm not saying that every single down you're going to play him on the edge, but I think that if you bring him to a team that has already a number of interior defensive linemen, I wouldn't hesitate in lining those now, four guys up and put him on the outside. You could play him at 3-4 defensive end, but you can't play him at 4-3 defensive end. And that's fine. Right. I think Patrick Graham is going to have a versatile defense anyway. Right. So that's why I said. I think there's going to be opportunities mm-hmm. to move him around. I'm not saying that he's no, going to be in every fair. down that's defensive fair. end. I got you. But I do think that you can move him to the outside. And if that's what they believe he can do, then I think he has even more value, which is what I was getting at. So that may be, in the eyes of the coaching staff and the general manager, puts him a little bit up on the rankings. But you look at... Brown, you look at Okuda, you look at Simmons, you look at Becton on the offensive line. I think there's upside with all four of those guys. It's oh, just a matter Mills, of... Thomas, yeah. Wirfs, all those guys. They're yeah. all that mix. You could easily make a case for all four of those guys, but free agency could very well be the deciding factor if, to the caller's point, if those guys are all even on the board, and we don't know what the Giants board looks like. It's a hypothetical. But if you think they're all even, then maybe free agency does serve as the determining factor and say, hey, you know what? We addressed the defensive line in free agency. Maybe there's more of a necessity to go offensive line or linebacker. I don't think that's a crazy conversation as well. Jack, thanks for the call. We got to wrap it up because we got one more call to chime in before we say goodbye, and that is Jamie in Jersey City. Jamie, what's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling, um, Jamie. What's up? quick, um, I know you guys were talking about Penny earlier today. Um, I was wondering uh, what, what, if any, other players are available. I know some teams have... Uh, you know, uh, cut some players, would we, you know, consider even ahead of free agency to sign, whether they're in our team or, or like I said, someone that's been cut these last couple of days? You're talking about street free agents right now? Is that who you're referring to, Jamie? Yes. So meaning some of the guys that have just been recently cut? Yeah, the Christian Kirksey's of the world. And, and those are reports that Deion Lewis is going to get let go by the Titans. From too, Tennessee, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they're going to have to make a decision on Derrick Henry. I mean, I don't think there was anyone that was overwhelming that has been let go. There really haven't been that many players that have been let go. Jason Peters, for example, is not a street-free agent. It was simply the Eagles weren't going to renew his contract, so he doesn't classify in that department. You know, Kirksey is a linebacker. You could certainly take into consideration, but I don't know if right now there's a must-have on the market that the Giants should immediately sign, and that's why I don't think there's been a lot of movement across the league for that point. All right, looks like and we I, lost Jamie. Yeah, hope Appreciate that uh, the answers the question. It sounds like he was moving around a lot. Of yeah, I mean, there, there really has not been a volume of cuts that no. we've seen maybe in previous offseason. You could even argue maybe the Giants made the most transactions because they parted ways with two guys. I, yeah. I don't, well, and that was the lock on Forrest point is that teams are kind of waiting to see what the CBA is going to look like before they decide to make some of these moves. Yeah, and also, what's the urgency in hammering out a deal with a street-free agent if come a few days from now, assuming the schedule stays as is, you're going to be able to sign guys anyway? 
I mean, why would you now try to fill up roster spots and cap space if you're not too hot on some of the street free agents? I'd wait for the entire market to play out. And I don't think there's a, a rush to just grab a guy because he could sign right now on the dotted line. And again, there's just so much unknown, Lance. And I think, you know, we're heading into a period now where the stretch of time from midnight Saturday, and I'm assuming the league year is going to start as planned because that's what the NFL is saying through their media reporters uh, today. Um, the amount of decisions that have to be made, and I'm sure a lot of these contingencies are already in place where if this happens, we're going to do A, B, or C, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But between midnight from Saturday night into Sunday morning, you have literally 36 hours to declare all your franchise players. Then the league year and that legal negotiating period immediately starts at noon on Monday. We'll be here on Big Blue Kickoff Live talk about it. Yeah, it'll be a minute after the tag deadline passes. Or theoretically a second. Right? Because I'm assuming... Well, is it 11.59.59? Is that what it is? I, I, I didn't see that on question. the breakdown. I don't know either. Yeah, do you get is the it, extra 60 is seconds? Is it when it hits 59 on the <laughs> clock, or is it when it hits zero on the clock? I don't know. Yeah. That's the point. This yeah. is going to be one of the wildest 36 hours of player movement and news than we've going to see in a long time. It's going to be really interesting in terms of how it plays out. And the other thing, by the way, connected to that, there was a lot of speculation that... Well, teams could very well negotiate with free agents, talk to free agents, and then tag players. But as you laid out, that cannot happen. So if you're Tennessee, Correct. and I just want to echo this again. Now, you could you take a tag off of somebody, but you can't put one yeah, on you after could, you noon could rescind on Monday. It, of course. Correct. So, for example, to your point, Tennessee could tag Ryan Tannehill, have a conversation with Brady, rescind the tag, and sign Brady. But then they can't put it on Conklin or Henry. Yeah, right. because assuming the new CBA gets ratified, you're not going to have another tag to Correct. play with. But right. th- there was another scenario that people were talking about. Oh, well, Tennessee could have a conversation with Brady. They could inch closer to a deal and then just determine, okay, well, now we don't have to tag Tannehill and everything's going to be fine. Or we don't have the likelihood of signing Brady, so then we'll tag Tannehill. That's not going to be able to work that way based on the timeline. So I, I think not if, that— Not if everybody follows the rules. Correct. No. Well, yes, we, we are going <laughs> under that assumption. Yes which is dangerous at times, but we uh, have no reason to doubt or be a skeptic as that was to a joke, the fact that the leagues are not going to enforce those rules and so forth. All right, before we say goodbye, um, quick 30-second. I'm not going to ask for a prediction, but if you had to make your best guess, how do you think the early parts of free agency plays out for the Giants? Because I don't think we're going to hear from you until after the negotiating period begins. Well, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of activity in general across the league because I think a lot of the top guys are going to be tagged. But do you so think, I think that's going to maybe have teams rethink who they want to go after as their primary target? Do you think this will be a slower-moving market than usual starting at noon on Monday, or do you think things will happen as rapidly as they have in the past once that negotiating window opens? I'm going to go with I think it's going to be slow. I don't think it's going to be that fast and rapid. And the reason being is I think there's the land of the unknown still with these quarterbacks. And I don't think these quarterbacks are going to decide in the blink of an eye. And I think a lot of teams are going to operate based on, well, how much of my cap Mm -hmm, space am I dictating towards the quarterback? More likely than not, the Giants come away with one really big guy, two really big guys. You think they're going to try to spread the money out? If I had to guess, and again, I don't know anything. This is just a guess. I think... We're going to get some angry phone calls with people. Why did they sign this big guy? Why did they sign that big guy? And it's going to be more of a find the guys where the value meets the production and try to target that group of players. Yeah, I think it's more in that direction. I could see the Giants going for one home run 
but I don't think they're going for more than a home run. Meaning, you know, if they really love one of the top guys, I can see them making a strong push and perhaps hammering on a deal. I would not expect this, once again, to be a duplication of 2016, which was fast and furious with three splashes. Yeah, I agree. That I would be surprised if that took place. Lance, stay, health, stay yeah. healthy, stay well. safe. Absolutely. Be good on the weekend. Our listeners... And our viewers, same to the to, same to them as well. And as of now, by the way, our programming, as far as I know, unless something happened in the last hour, let me look on my phone. Uh, no emails telling us to go home. So okay, it looks like yes. <laughs> so it looks like we will be doing our programming until further notice. So make sure you stay tuned to Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and of course to your favorite podcast platform. So new episodes of Big Blue Kickoff Live later today. We'll have an episode of the Giants Huddle dropping with Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. Make sure you check that out. It should be posted by the end of the day. For Artemis, our producer for Lance Metal. I am John Schmunk. Thanks for being with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. It was all presented by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refresh, and Made to Chill. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios. Have a good one.